prosecution outlined how accounting practices fuck? What? what kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'll be in a museum. And fucking fodder for cartoonists now? And welcome back to the show, Gutter Boys, to myself, Cam, with my co-host, JB. This is episode 103. What's up? Uh, today, we've got Austin McDonald of uh, McDonald's Restaurant fame. <laughs> he is here. Uh, Ronald's long-lost brother, tattoo artist out of uh, Brooklyn, New York. Talk about the uh, origin story of the Big Mac. Yeah, and uh, what it's like to celebrate Grimace's birthday this month, which I didn't know about until I was driving today, and I saw a sign that said, Happy Birthday, Grimace. So, uh, I guess it's Grimace's birthday, the character. So, uh, yeah, no, but it's a, a pretty good interview and I am back, uh, should be back on the, I was back on the last bonus that hasn't come out yet, but should be up sooner than later. And we'll actually talk about something here shortly that was alluded to on that bonus episode, but we've made it happen already. But, uh, you know, thank you for, you know, staying up to date with the show. And I want to thank my co-host JB for stepping up when I was gone. Uh, going through some personal life shit. If you know, you know. If you don't, sucks to be you. No, but seriously, thank you to anybody that uh, has reached out or whatever. But um, yeah, uh, real quick before we uh, talk about, we don't have news today, but we have an announcement. And uh, before the uh, huge monumental announcement, I just want to give a quick shout out over to Canon Zine. That's C-A-N-O-N, like the printer. It was uh, made by Colin Blanchett. It's a uh, really thick fanzine, a la Bubbles and uh, Strangers. I hate that, uh, you know, I feel like you have to draw that comparison to them. But, you know, format-wise and content-wise, it's, you know, the easiest thing to go to in this modern zine scene. That said, though, there is an interview with previous guest, Carl Stevens. It's really good, uh, really loose. And uh, there's a really cool feature on uh, Gilbert Hernandez that kind of sheds light on him and, uh, you know, the Hernandez brother that gets all the accolades, but seems to kind of hide out in the shadows behind Jaime. So really good read. Uh, they do have an Instagram account. It's at uh, Blanchett CPB. So uh, definitely check that out. Cosign, not just because we got a free copy, but because the content's good as well. So uh, if you're into hard hitting comics journalism and uh, of the print form, that's what you do there. Oh, wait, there was news. Uh, so as some of you probably know, if you've been on any social media, there's been talks about the new secret invasion show on the uh, Disney app, I think it is, Disney Plus. Yeah. Not too many people are happy about this new series, not because it's generic or bad or because we're tired of all these fucking superhero shows. That's a given. Uh, yeah, no, it's because the opening intro is 100% done by AI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It looks like it, too. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but based on how people describe it, like some people, I guess, started feeling sick. <laughs> well, here's the fucked up thing. So one thing with the AI art stuff is I feel like it's come a long way in a short amount of time. Like, I feel like a year ago, everybody was using that dolly shit and it was just like these horrifying nightmare images that were just kind of like warped up. And this is what the intro looked like to me in the stills that I saw. So it's not even like the good AI. It's like the fucked up ass AI that made this intro. Yeah, it's like two years ago AI, so it's it's a little yeah. janky. I've noticed actually recently that uh, the like AI programs like Midjourney are finally figuring out how to do hands. 
Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's already gotten better. Yeah, it's crazy. Begrudgingly, it's gotten better. Did you see the statement that the production company released? <laughs> no, about this? I'm sure it's okay. awful. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah, you ready for this? All right. So here's the complete statement from Method, whose uh, recent work on Top Gun Maverick earned an Oscar nomination for visual effects. So they, I guess, got nominated and then fell off. But they had this to say. They were the studio that did the intro. Working on Secret Invasion, a captivating show exploring the infiltration of aliens into human society, provided an exceptional opportunity to delve into the intriguing realm of AI, specifically for creating unique character attributes and movements. Utilizing a custom AI tool for this particular element perfectly aligned with the project's overall theme and the desired aesthetic. The production process was highly collaborative with a dedicated focus on this specific application of an AI tool set. It involved a tremendous effort by talented art directors, animators, proficient in both 2D and 3D, artists and developers who employed conventional techniques to craft all the other aspects of the project. However, it is crucial to emphasize that while the AI component provided optimal results, AI is just one tool among the array of tool sets our artists use. No artist jobs were replaced by incorporating these new tools. Instead, they complemented and assisted our creative teams. So <laughs> are they saying, I mean, did they just pay these artists to like come up with the prompts? Is that uh, what they're kind of saying there? Yeah, I don't know what they're saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't cost them jobs. So sounds like a cakewalk to be on the art team for this intro. I'm actually, the reception was so bad online and I was kind of expecting them to say, well, we meant for it to look like that right. because of the subject, like it's an easy out, but I was really thinking they would change the intro, but um, yeah, they didn't. So I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, you would think. Now, um, a production that actually paid its uh, artist, I must say, was uh, the new Amazon show that Boots Riley made, I Am a Virgo, which apparently hired Dan McDade and Ramon to come up with costume designs. McDade got to, uh, <laughs> McDade got to design Walton Goggins, uh, suit. But, uh, when I found out Ramon was on the show, I was like, are you sure that this show is called I'm a Virgo? Because with Ramon on it, I would like to think the show is called I am a Virgin. Nice. Got him. Well, got him. Nothing. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> he will never recover from this. Yeah. Whoever is in his little Discord, run and tell him. Because I'm not going to tell <laughs> yeah, him. I'm going to let him find out about this one on his <laughs> go own. Go and tattle yeah. and let him know. I'll let this one find out about it. Yeah. <laughs> and notice I did not uh, I did not say anything bad about Sir McDade. Mm. Yeah, nothing. I mean, I feel like he's Scottish, so he's already been beaten down enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you could put five people from comics in a billionaire submarine. <laughs> yeah. Expedition. Who's going on that list? <laughs> <laughs> who, who are you putting in there? Let's say that... Uh, the comic book defense league has funded this so you know they don't have to have money we're just sending five people in, in a, on in the a, submarine and they might not come back in a metal tube and take them to the deepest yeah. part of the ocean <laughs> i've got a short list but uh <laughs> i actually might be, I, uh, I was reading about that there was like the scientist who was breaking down what probably happened on the submarine oh yeah and he talked about how because of the depth that they were at that uh as soon as the hull was breached that uh the inside of the cabin would have basically been the same temperature as the surface of the sun dude i watched this video too yeah go yeah ahead. so like every person in there basically would have been cooked into dust within like yes. within like a quarter of a second so they wouldn't even have... I read gel, but Yeah, yes. they wouldn't have had any idea what was going on. It would have been a quick death. 
yeah, like I heard that it ha- it would have happened so fast at that depth that their brains wouldn't even register pain or even seeing it happen. Right. It's just so fast. So, I mean, I guess that, you know, outside of the three days waiting for it, where allegedly the uh, Titanic theme song played over and over, over and over. <laughs> just on repeat. Yeah. God, that's the worst. <laughs> I think out of all the elements that makes this a terrifying death, that's got to be the worst part. Is Celine yeah, Dion sucks. <laughs> just blasting <laughs> for three days straight while you just count down your oxygen supply? Fuck. And from everything I've, you know, read about this submarine and everything like that, something tells me they didn't even license the Celine Dion song. <laughs> oh, 100% no. They were, they were for but, sure playing it on Spotify or something. Hey, did you see that uh, there was some Rena? Actually, no, I'm not even going to say this on the main floor. <laughs> what? I mean, you've already gone. I mean, that's... I, I think no, that's, it's not a comics person. Uh-huh. It, it has to do with uh, Matt Healy from the 1975 and his appearance on Come Town. Oh, yeah. Didn't that like spiral into him like losing? He lost some kind of uh, head of the label. Okay. Something. But um, there was there's a singer, a musician named Rena Sawayama. And uh, they played at Glastonbury. And before the uh, set or before the song, uh, she pretty much just... Uh, called out uh, Matt Healy and said, uh, I wrote this because I was sick and tired of these microaggressions. This goes out to a white man that watches ghetto gaggers and mocks Asian people on a podcast. He also owns my masters. I've had enough. And her name is Rena Sawayama. And I just think it would be really funny if he went back on the Adam Friedland show and called her Rena Shwarma. Because <laughs> that's some shit they would do. Is And then they would talk about shawarma vendors in New York or something. I think he should double down, though, now that she's fired shots. Wasn't but he, that's just me. I, for some reason, someone told me that, or I thought that he was dating Taylor Swift or something. He was, and then the, the Swift fan base apparently pressured them to break up because of the fucking <laughs> podcast. God, that's so funny. <laughs> Dude, hey, I hate to say it, but Stav's losing the war on cultural impact. Wise. That's true, uh, <laughs> yeah. Stav would, would never have that much sway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to be able to work the Taylor Swift fan base. That's yeah. That's quite that's quite a move. I don't understand like I watched the episode. It wasn't egregious. It was well, but also we've seen a lot of that show, so it just seemed in line, I think, for the I show. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see why anyone would watch that and be like, this is a hate crime. You know, you know what I mean? Like I don't understand that. Uh but whatever. Yeah, uh, since we're just off the rails, um, have you seen the fucking, I, I watched the most fucked up shit, it was Ari Aster's short film before he got big, it's called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, yeah. you seen this movie? Yeah, 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 it's about- I'd never even seen or heard of it, it was fucked the fuck up, dad man. and then the son that- like, It's the child raping the father. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucked. Yeah, Jesus Christ, But it's almost man. like it's played, like you can't tell if it's played for humor or if it's played seriously. Right, yeah, well it's like dark humor is what I interpreted that as. Yeah. Um, it's pretty grim. Yes. Yeah, it's fucked. Long 30 minutes. But yeah, sorry, that was off topic. Yeah, I was going to say, I, does that I, have I watched anything that last, to do with that? I wa- no, Freeland I just watched show. it yesterday, and like, I just can't stop thinking about it. Oh, so. okay. I yeah. mean, that is an Adam... That, that's a Cometown bit made into a short movie. Yeah, it's really fucked. Yeah, there you go. There's the thread. Yeah, that's the thread. Yeah. So I guess before our special announcement, uh, pay the bills, patreon.com forward slash gutterboys or gutterboys.top. Uh, you can get bonus episodes there. JB did one with uh, Caroline Cash. In my absence, uh, that was pretty much a cake recap, and we did one that was just us catching up, and uh, that should be out as soon as we have it from our editor. Uh, It's a little bit late. We apologize, but it'll be out as soon as we have it. 
didn't we talk about did we talk about anything important on that on that bonus episode no i think i just outlined some twitter beef and there's a good there's a good uh there's a good uh photoshop pic that you'll get to see along with that i guess is the only thing i remember from that mm. Mm. yeah really selling it here <laughs> Um, but no, there is uh, over a year's worth of bonus episodes with tons of previous guests, um, lots of process and insightful talk there. So uh, yeah, if you want to support us, uh, definitely sign up there at patreon.com forward slash gutterboys or gutterboys.top. And uh, we are here with a monumental announcement. So for those of you that will be in or around Columbus, Ohio for CXC this year, uh, this year it looks like it runs from Wednesday the 27th of uh, September until Sunday, October 1st. That's Saturday, which will be the first day of the actual show because I believe like the weekday stuff is just programming. But that's Saturday, which will be September the 30th. We are going to bring to you the first ever Gutter Boys Live episode. This is not actually CXC affiliated. Uh, this is something that we kind of were spitballing about on the bonus episode that I was just talking about. And uh, it kind of just came together really quick with the uh, help of a friend and listener, Drew Hall. Uh, you might know him as Drew Hell since I always fuck up his name here. But um, yeah, mark your calendars and come out. It's going to be on September the 30th after CXC time to be announced at the 129 Studios in Columbus. It's a really cool art space located at 129 McDowell Street. It is apparently within a mile of the main library where CXC is in the next neighborhood over. Uh, we know that we'll be doing a live episode, probably talking with whoever wants to stop by. Uh, just ask them what the worst thing they saw that day was and then uh, rinse repeat with all the guests. But uh, an important thing to us is to also allow people to table and exhibit. Now, that said, uh, JB and I were kind of talking about it. And, uh, you know, we don't want this to be like a destination thing where you come thinking you're going to make a ton of money because who knows how the fuck this thing's going to play out. But in addition to a handful of exhibitors that will probably be our friends and let in due to nepotism, uh, we want to let people that did not necessarily get into CXC have the first opportunity at tables. So if you got waitlisted or you got denied for CXC, but you still wanted to come to town and participate, uh, hit us up at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. Please put in the subject, we don't have a name for this show yet, so just put CXC show as a subject. And, um, you know, send some links to your work and everything. And uh, yeah, if you're cool, uh, you'll probably get a table. I don't think we're doing a table fee or anything like that. But um, again, I just want to reiterate, don't come to this thing thinking you're going to make a million dollars and don't make the trip just for this. <laughs> right. I would just encourage you that, you know, if you were going to come as, you know, somebody who's going to come to the show, whether you're in a table or not. And if you want to come that night and throw some shit on a table, definitely send us an email. Because like I said, we want to give preferential treatment to those of you who are not able to get into CXC first. That's right. There's also plans to have uh, a few readings at this event, uh, along with... For sure, a live Gutter Boys episode. We'll be recording a live episode there at some point in the evening. Uh, obviously, all the details, times, etc., they're not hammered yet. We're still figuring all that out. But uh, yes. if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, obviously, we'll keep you up to date and informed about uh, the status of this uh, event. Yes, so pay attention to the intros of this show. That's when the news will be delivered. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll on the main only feed. deliver this news it. during the commercial break, so you'll have to listen to the entire commercial break. I'm also going to yeah. change <laughs> where it is in relation to the commercials, so it won't be in the same spot every time. So you have to it's listen. like Where's Waldo? Yeah, you have to listen to every ad now. So Yeah, so uh, we will have a name soon, but uh, we locked down the venue, we locked down the tables, and we locked down the date. So uh, yeah, September 30th. Uh, after the first day of CXC, live gutter boys guest to be determined. And uh, 
yeah, like I said, gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com if you're interested in tabling. If you are tabling at CXC and you want to table at this thing too, send us an email, but you know, we have a limited amount of space and tables. So like I said, preferential treatment to those who didn't get into the show, but will be around just so that way they can maybe make some money and at least write it off as a tax write-off. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. It's time to get to our interview with our guest for this evening. Uh, we're joined with Brooklyn-based cartoonist and tattoo artist, Austin McDonald, who I met while tabling a cake. Uh, really good dude. We talk a lot about his work and uh, what it's like doing multiple side hustles. But before we get into that, of course, we need to take our commercial break and shout out our wonderful sponsors. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Meow. Yeah. Sid the Cat magazine is out now. If you've ever been to an amazing rock and roll show and thought, I wish I could experience this moment again, but in comic form, then Sid the Cat magazine is for you. Fiercely independent show promoter Sid the Cat have joined forces with comics journalist Andrew Greenstone to bring you an ongoing publication that documents the SoCal indie rock scene. This stunning 52-page full-color magazine features comics, articles, photos, and illustrations from a rotating cast of local illustrators and writers. It's a celebration of Sid's artists and venues and supports those keeping the bleeding edge of the indie music scene alive. Our first issue covers musical artists Big Thief, Illuminati Hotties, Mike Kroll, Fucked Up, Finn Lilly, Katie Kirby, Kate LeBon, Cursive, Christian Lee Hudson, No Win, and so many more. If you are a fan of comics, indie music, zines, rock reports, or community by the way of culture, order a copy now at SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. Again, that's SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. And now, a few words from our sponsors, the Santo Sisters. Solo son chicas normales Pero cuando los problemas aparecen Son superheroínas muy sensuales Santos, las hermanas santos Como ellas no hay tantos Dispuesto a luchar Santos, las hermanas santos Como ellas no hay tantos Dispuesto a luchar Today. 
Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GUTTERGANG. Morning, Gary. Morning, Marianne. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. Best way to start your morning, Marianne. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois, like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean, and Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs's Tavern. Well, ain't that something? Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at storeenvy slash Comics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Mary Ann. Ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterCagle.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out.
And we're back from the break. For this episode, we're joined with our special guest based out of uh, Brooklyn, New York, Austin McDonald. What's up, Austin? Hell yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Doing good. Hell yeah. That's what's up. Austin is a cartoonist and tattoo artist who I met while tabling at Cake this year. He was my uh, half table buddy and uh, got to, obviously, I mean, neither of us had a choice. We hung out because we were (laughs) sharing a table, but uh, Austin was really, really cool. And we talked a lot about uh, sort of just comic stuff in general. Austin, how you doing? How was uh, how was the uh, return from Cake? Getting back into the groove of things, I'm assuming. Dude, yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, Cake was fucking awesome. I left feeling like really invigorated to keep working on comics and stuff, you know. But uh, been back in the in the groove of. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but of uh, tattooing and and drawing comics and trying to balance those two things as best I can. Of course, yeah, yeah. And and you skate too, right? Yeah, I've been doing a bunch of skating since I got back. That's been super fun. It's like that sweet spot of weather in Brooklyn right now. There's this like four-week period where it's not too hot, and it's right, right. it's awesome. Nice. So not to get in your head, and I'm sure this crosses your mind all the time, but like when you're skating, is there that dimension where it's like, man, I can't fuck up the moneymakers with your hand and getting hurt? Dude, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I wear a wrist guard on my like dominant hand. Hell yeah. Even just for like the like the placebo effect, like thinking that it'll help <laughs> if yeah, I for fall. Sure. And it like gives me some peace of mind, but it's definitely like a constant kind of constant risk. You of course. Know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of kids that were really heavy into boarding. And uh I, I've seen some pretty pretty fucking grotesque injuries as a result. Oh, totally. I mean, sometimes you see a kid fall at the park. It's like, I think I'm just going to go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, that's a bad sign. I think we're going, we're going to call it a day here. Yeah. See the dude's bone poking out of his skin. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, exactly. we're good for, for today. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm all set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess let's get into your, your work, what, what you, uh, what you get into. Uh, how, uh, how long have you been making comics? I know we talked about this at the show but you know for the sake of the the listener how long have you been uh, digging this hole for yourself as, as so to speak <laughs> totally <laughs> well i guess i started when i was like 10 years old making uh making comics i was in like third grade about this superhero named Fireboy. hell yeah uh, <laughs> and then i kind of like yeah like so super sick. original really like cutting edge yeah cutting edge <laughs> shit and then i kind of put it down for a while and then i picked it up again like late late high school like right before going to college i guess i've been making them pretty much since then so that was like 2014 2015 something like that now as far as uh you know your exposure to comics was that something that you were you know into growing up or was it just a form of expression for you at that young age yeah so as like a first grader i started reading the Yu-Gi-Oh manga okay and just because i was super into like the show and the cards and stuff and then I like started reading like other manga, but then I like put it down because I thought it was like like too like nerdy or something. <laughs> uh, and then like later again in high school, I like uh, when I started like kind of getting into it again. It basically was from I wanted to I decided I wanted to like study art in college. So then I remembered like making comics as a kid and was like, oh, I should like read this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I started reading like you know Watchmen and like the Long Halloween and kind of all like the big graphic novels or whatever and then that like i start you know i found like michael deforge and more like indie stuff and it kind of just snowballed from there for sure that's definitely the pipeline i feel like because me and cam are pretty much the same way yeah 
Yeah, Warren. Are you uh, from New York or is that just somewhere you relocated to? I'm from Connecticut. Okay. Uh, and that's where I, where I grew up and I went to school and everything. This is like my first non-Connecticut residency. Gotcha. Now you mentioned school there. Did you have formal like art college training, anything like that? So I went to uh, my state school. I went to UConn and I studied illustration and animation. So I got that like in-state tuition, which was pretty sick. I had some really solid professors. Uh, it was a it was a pretty good program. I had a I had a pretty good experience all around. Okay, hell yeah. So uh, going from that, at what point? Uh, I guess what made you decide to like really go back into not just like reading and enjoying comics, but also like actively making them? Yeah, that's a. I, I think initially that's just it. Just like felt right for whatever reason. But I think now as I've like been making them for longer, I can like intellectualize it more or whatever. Sure, like yeah, what, yeah. What draws me to it? But I think it is like uh, a way as one person that you can kind of like make a movie like I really like movies and like animation and stuff and mm -hmm. especially like like costume design and set design gets me like really really stoked and it's a way to kind of like distill that stuff into like a neat little package as you know just as one person I'm able to like feasibly do myself for sure yeah create a little world yeah exactly so, you know, I do want to go ahead and get into your career because a lot of the times we get the question from listeners, you know, how do you pivot into, you know, a career with art? And, you know, you have done that uh, as a tattoo artist. Do you feel like the approach to the illustration side of comics and like, you know, you just mentioned, you know, the costume and character design and, you know, creating things. You know, if a client comes to you with a tattoo and they have the same idea or not same idea rather, but they have an idea. You know, a lot of the times you're having to, you know, come up with the illustration for that. Do you feel like you're using the same kind of mentality and approach or is it totally different? Because I don't think we've ever had like a tattoo artist on the show. Yeah. So I think it's slightly different. But what I do really like about tattooing is I feel like I'm able to draw in like the same style pretty much that I would draw for comics. But mm. just thinking about little things like when it heals like the event you know over the years like the lines will like expand so just not putting like two lines like too close together and like leaving enough space between all the elements but i feel like that just ends up kind of making stronger like designs outside of tattooing anyway like not having things be too cluttered and having things be like really readable and clear so I feel like it all just kind of feeds into itself in a really nice way. Okay. Hell yeah. I know you'd mentioned your love for movies, and I know this doesn't really have anything to do with comics, but do you have like a like a top 10 in your pocket that you think about, like movies that always come up in your mind? I feel like the the like there's like three that I keep going back to, and it's David Lynch's Dune, and then okay. Flash Gordon, and oh, then yeah. uh, The Adventures of Baron Moonshausen. Oh, which is okay. this like this Terry Gilliam yeah. movie that fucking rips. And it's just like those three, I feel like that I just keep returning to and like trying to riff on in like a new way. Yeah, I definitely get the Gilliam influence from your comics mm -hmm. specifically, you know, like there's like a slight kind of fantasy tilt to everything, but it's not always sort of straightforward, traditional fantasy stuff. Yeah, it's fun to like try to put a slight spin on 
the genre. I really like like sci-fi fantasy specifically. So like I guess Star Wars is like the classic example, but like crawl and like yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Uh I think is like a really fun like meeting of of the two. Now, going back to your comics, are there any particular influences that you have uh, that have really informed kind of like your overall body of work over the last few years? I think just like genre fiction in general and like playing on like different tropes. But I guess what has like really influenced the like writing for the last couple years is just taking like personal experiences that I've had and then dressing them up with like the genre fiction stuff just so then that I like care about it enough to like finish it like yeah. the first couple comics that I made I was just doing kind of like spoofs on mm. like like I did this shonen manga that's like the finger skateboard world championship <laughs> yeah I saw that <laughs> and and that one was like so I really like that comic it was like super fun to work on but it, it didn't have like much personal stake to me beyond that just like I love to finger skateboard <laughs> so it was like yeah. a little difficult to like finish that then because it was just like me riffing on like a genre so i just like putting in more like my like personal life experience i guess has been like the biggest Mm. influence if that answers the question yeah yeah now when you're i guess we can get into like the the boring part of making comics which is like you know discussing your process so when you have an idea like are you someone that like just gets it out immediately or do you let it you know kind of marinate internally is it kind of different every time like what's your approach when it comes to like creating a comic uh you know starting from the beginning yeah so i definitely let it marinate for a while i work Mm -hmm. kind of slow where i'll like have like an initial like overarching like premise or like oh what if like you know it was like this thing meets this thing and then i'll kind of like sit on it for a month or so and just write down like little like story beats in like my notes app and then once I feel like I have over the course of like a few months like a story that I'm really happy with and like kind of an aesthetic like in my head of whatever I'm kind of into at the time then I'll start working on the character designs and then storyboard it and then you know do like the the nitty-gritty from there just actually drawing the damn thing now, is this something that like when you're working on a comic, it's like you're completely focused on it or you, you know, you talked about like balance a little bit earlier, or is this something you're having to balance with like, I have to take time to finish this? Like, is it hard for you to kind of shift between the two, like your day job and then making a comic or is it pretty seamless? Yeah, it's been, it's like a little tricky. I'll do like, I'll draw like one page start to finish. So I, I don't do the like all the, the pencils, all the inks. I'll, I like do a full page start to finish. Okay. And then I like take like a second because I'm like burned <laughs> out from like yeah. just doing that, you know? Yeah. We have a we have a bit in our group chat where it's like everyone deserves a vacation after one page. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I super agree with that. But uh, I'll like go to the studio early, like before a tattoo appointment and like pencil a couple panels and then I'll like schedule. I try to schedule days off to like just like work on a page or whatever. But uh, honestly, the struggle is I like tattooing so much and drawing flash is like just easier than drawing comics because you're just doing like character designs or like prop designs it's really it's kind of just doing like a sketchbook page in a way of like finished drawings Mm -hmm. uh and it's really immediate so 
that's kind of the struggle. It's just like taking a break from like drawing the the flash stuff that's so fun to like do something that's a little less immediate and like that's not that immediate dopamine. For sure. You know? And also like objectively makes more money too. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah, that, <laughs> <You know? laughs> that certainly helps. Yeah. And it's just so quick. You like do a lot of the time someone like comes to the appointment and I do the drawing right then and then I tattoo them and then I like finished it. It's like a finished piece. Yeah. Uh, where like a comic is just like, you know, to do a page, like it takes me like a couple, you know, sit down like sessions or whatever to like finish it. It just isn't immediately gratifying like that. Where like tattoos yeah. are like TikTok or something. It's just like so immediate. Yeah. There's definitely some more planning involved when you're thinking about a page. And uh, that stuff can like bog you down too when you like overthink it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh totally and yeah. i like i love to get in there and like i really like to draw backgrounds a lot and like the establishing shots and see how much like shit i can fit into the background <laughs> yeah and so that you know that like adds <laughs> adds uh some time for sure but that's what like gets me really excited you know yeah yeah so i know you were at cake so you know you definitely have a small press experience as far as like being in the scene and whatnot so what scene is worse the comic scene or the tattoo scene (laughs) oh that's such a good question i mean they're like so (laughs) different you know you only really interact with the comic scene in these like at least me personally in those like isolated incidents Mm -hmm. you know of like uh a a con or like maybe the occasional like meetup so everyone's mm-hmm. on like their best behavior, you know, and then like, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah. like sitting on like the other end of the table, everyone's just coming up and telling you they like your work. You're like, yeah, that's fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? yeah. <laughs> Where there's definitely more like interaction within the tattoo scene, just cause like we do like a lot of trades with each other. So you're kind of constantly, and then I like work in a studio with other tattoo artists here. There's just more like constant interaction. Mm hmm. So I guess it's kind of it's kind of hard to to compare, but uh, you know I like them both. They're both cool. <laughs> well, you know that actually is a good segue into what we had talked about at the show, uh, and I think this was something you brought up. Cartoonists now need to have like I mean most people are not working on their comics full time as a job for the most part, right? Like, and if they are, they're they're struggling. Like they're, they're barely getting by. So yeah, if you have that. As a thing that you do, you're making comics. You also need to have a second side hustle to then point towards that thing, whether, you know, intentional or consciously or not. And your thing has become tattooing. And that a lot of people, for example, at the show would come up to you and be like, I didn't know you did comics, but I love your tattoo work. I've seen it on Instagram, on social media. And they're kind of drawn to your work that way. How? Yeah. Pre- so- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, um. I think that just, you know, most people like don't really read comics, unfortunately. Like everyone like right. listens to music and shit, but not yeah. everyone is like sitting down and and reading comics. And I for whatever reason there's something about tattoos that is more accessible to people, maybe cuz they can like picture it on their body or something, or there's like a person like in the photo as well cuz it's like on a person's skin. Yeah. So for whatever reason, it seems to like pull in people and then they like the the work and, or like the style or whatever. And then now like way more people buy my comics than than before I was doing the the tattooing stuff. And I was noticing, you know, with people come up to your table and be like, oh, like love the podcast, dude. And then they would like buy a bunch of your books. 
Like, it seems like with comics specifically, people just need, like, a little nudge from yeah, something yeah. that has a broader appeal. Mm, and right. I don't really know why that is, because, like, for some reason, there's this, like, this barrier of entry with comics in the U.S. that people of like, oh, like, I don't know where to start or, like, I don't know how to read them. Just like always funny to me, people say they don't know how to read them. It's like the whole point right. is it should be like intuitive <laughs> and like that you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but there's some weird barrier of entry that people make for themselves. And even like a lot of my friends here who are like into art, into illustration, just like I've never really made that jump into comics for whatever reason. Yeah. Do you think there's something prohibitive about comics? I mean, just in general? I feel like people don't really know that there's stuff besides like marvel and dc or like right. image or yeah. just these like long like series you know like oh like where would i start like i don't want to read like a bunch of issues right. or something right. and people yeah. just don't really know that like oh like yeah you can just read like a 12 page thing in 15 minutes and that's the whole story like mm -hmm. it's not like you know you can read stuff that's not asking that much of you and i think people just don't know yeah you know? yeah you know? yeah exactly yeah like I think there's like, you know, people will say, oh, this is, you know, weird stuff. But like at the end of the day, comics, there's something for everybody. Like if somebody told me what they were into, I guarantee you I could find a comic that if they devoted the time, they would end up liking or at least, you know, somewhat liking. Totally. Yeah. Even like the other day, my my roommate asked me if I had any recommendations and I just gave her who and she's like hasn't really read comics. I gave her the Michael DeForge like Western world. It's like mm -hmm. a little short story anthology and she like loves it. It's like, well, I've never read anything like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that people just don't realize that there are more than one ways to make a comic. Right. You know, like not everything has to be about a superhero and has to be, you know, single issues or trades. You can, right, you know, right, you can right. read these minis, you can read these books, whatever. And there's like such a wide variety of like artistic expression, sort of like stylistically how people approach their stories and also, you know, like all kinds of genre. It's, I think, one of the biggest things in, in small press that I think most people attach to it is the slice of life stuff or the autobio stuff because it is so far removed yeah. from what people expect from a comic. Right. Yeah. And that stuff rocks, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, going back to the whole like everybody loves music thing. You got to think like if every single person in the world that owns a low record also owned a copy of Zach Sally's comics, just just one, mm. you know, that's like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of copies of comics he would have sold. But clearly that's not the case. He's not right. You know, right. he's he's doing limited runs and they're not like shooting out the door like that. So, yeah, there is a weird disparity there. Yeah, like, because you would think, like, Zach would just throw, and this is not Zach specifically, but, like, if you're in that position, you would just throw a comic on the merch table or something and sell a hundred a night, you know, <laughs> like you would yeah, think. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like you said, it just doesn't work that way, which is, this kind of is, like, a broader conversation, but I think when you look at, like, the mainstream comic shows, it is why people only sell drawings of, like, known IP oh, and right, why yeah. the most money mm -hmm. I make on art is off of like fucking Nancy's image, you know, like, right, because right. it's like, I guess, quote unquote safe, you know, like, so it is, it is interesting that I feel like to even, you know, stay afloat in comics. I feel like you do kind of have to bend the knee yeah. to the, the overlords of the industry. People love shit that they already know. I mean, that's like half of the tattoos I do right, is, yeah. oh, I want this video game character right. in your style. I want this 
anime character you know people love the like comfort of stuff that they like know that they're gonna like right right is there something and you don't have to answer this you know but is there something that you just hate tattooing like you get requested more than you would think but you're just like fuck i never want to do this again Ooh, I, I honestly have been pretty lucky where i i'm fortunate that i do like most of the like pop culture stuff that mm-hmm. people like ask me to do like if someone's like oh i can you do like an evangelion tattoo it's like fuck yeah dude we can do it <laughs> you know like that would be awesome right uh so i feel like uh my stuff is pretty consistent where like there isn't really stuff that's like way different so i think i do get pretty lucky that i don't really get any like lame requests knock on wood yeah yeah well, that was another thing we talked about. It's how like certain tattoo artists, they have like established a a style or like the type of work that you expect from that person. And as a result, the types of clients that they draw in only want that thing. They're not going to come to that person and be like, hey, can you tattoo my dog? And here's a yeah, photo. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to do that. So they, they don't really have to deal with that. And I feel like in your case, that definitely applies because you have such a specific and distinct style with your work across the board that like you know somebody who follows you your your tattoo artist account on instagram they're not going to come to your studio knock on your door and and do that be silly there's like thousands of tattoo artists that could do that so right yeah 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 there's like so many especially now it's like really uh we're kind of in this crazy tattooed moment at least in brooklyn specifically but it seems like across across the board it's like really popular right now yeah actually my my friend uh grayson bear they have a book out oh yeah yeah silver sprocket so they also tattoo for their um like income and a lot of people will get like their characters from their comics tattooed which i think is extremely cool that's so sick yeah (laughs) yeah super super cool shout out grayson can you imagine kirby (laughs) with the pin uh with the tattoo gun back in the day totally yeah just like <laughs> doing giant shit out on people's pieces bodies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah goddamn. what's uh what what is like the largest tattoo that you've ever worked on Ooh, no, i haven't done anything like particularly huge mainly like, i started out doing like stick and pokes which are like yeah. pretty time consuming and don't like lend themselves to like uh you like large scale work you know yeah you just have to be I insane a huge but... <laughs> back tattoo and just use only stick and poke and you like people do it like it's yeah. it's nuts but uh yeah. i've recently switched to the machine like the last couple months so i love to do bigger scale stuff a bit you know just stuff that's like i've done stuff that's like five or six inches tall nothing mm, okay. like too crazy but i'd love to do a back piece so anyone listening wants a back piece hey there you go <laughs> yeah we'll do some uh we'll do the usual plugs at the end of the uh at the end of the episode so you can you know you can plug your shop where they can reach out to you for that okay six 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 so austin most of your work from what i can tell was risograph printed correct mm-hmm. yeah okay so that's that's been kind of your go-to in terms of how you print and publish your work yeah definitely now i noticed that you know this risograph publisher i believe they're called what is it frog frog house frog house is the name uh frog farm yeah Frog farm okay oh do they do like readings and stuff Mm -hmm. okay i've seen like events or something in like instagram stories sorry go ahead though i know he told me his name but i can't remember his name now what was his name the frog Uh, uh, frog farm alex laird is the alex thank you frog farm mastermind 
Yes, yes, Alex. Uh, he actually added me like after Cake because I think we just seen each other at so many shows at this point. Mm, totally, totally. It's you know it's like one of those things where you you have like one of those punch cards, and after the tenth time, you have to <laughs> add yeah, them yeah. on social media. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he 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 seemed cool. So how did you start working with Frog Farm, and are they sort of predominantly your main go to in terms of publishing your work? Sure. So I. I, I haven't actually done Alex just started Frog Farm and put out like one of his books and he put out Grayson Bear's newest book and then he just put out another book by this guy with this comedian Will Duncan and then we are gonna do a book sometime next year but oh, I cool. all the the stuff that I have done has all just been like I've just like paid like someone with a risograph in there. Like this okay. guy, No Subject Press is based in Ridgewood. He does a great job. He's printed my stuff a couple times. I've used Resolve, uh, which is like another oh, like, yeah. risograph them. publisher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I've done it myself before at the the SVA Rizolab. But um the book that I do with uh Frog Farm, well, I guess my my first thing that would was like published by another person. Nice. Okay. And I know risograph is pretty prevalent in New York, or at least in Brooklyn, from what I can tell. How were you introduced to risograph? What about it made you want to decide to, you know, predominantly use that as, as a method to print your work? Yeah. So when I was in college, I was following all of these like uh, comic artists and illustrators on Instagram. And then when they would put out a comic, I would order one. And those were all, they were all like Brooklyn people. And they would always be risograph, and I just had not seen anything like that. And then when I tabled, I tabled at Comic Arts Brooklyn in 2018, and just like everything there was risograph. And I was like, this is just like the coolest looking thing I've ever seen. Like the colors mm -hmm. are so vibrant, like the texture is so like specific. So I just really wanted to try it just from like being so exposed to it. But now I really, I really like it just because when picking colors now, it just gives me like a palette to choose from to begin with that isn't overwhelming like oh, okay i can like i'll use like one of these like 12 colors or whatever that yeah, like that right, i just right. get there's like that website you know where you can get like the risograph like ink palette colors you mm -hmm, know that are mm -hmm. like pretty close so i like the the constraint because just like picking colors is so hard and i work digitally uh so it's just like a really easy way to like when you have your thing in like the final like printed form to just give it texture uh like just really easily you know yeah i know there's like two texture options for most risograph machines i forget the terms my buddy eric would probably know better i think you met him oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah uh actually you guys would get along like very well because i'm a really easy are, I, I, yeah, yeah 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 really easy press eric because you guys are into the same sort of like uh subject matter and and sort of genre stuff with comics he's like a big big sci-fi fantasy guy so oh, a lot sick. of his work deals with that but where was i going with that i just had a senior moment you <laughs> <I started> <laughs> used to be able to buy a soda with a nickel we used, we used to call them we used to call them bees and you give them three bees and they give you three cans of pop uh no uh yeah so do you ever see yourself going a different route with printing your books like well i guess i the better question really is 
do you see yourself doing long form and would that lead into, you know, doing something else outside of Risograph? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, the thing that I do, so I've only ever done 12 page stuff, uh, mm-hmm. where it feels like it's like just long enough to feel substantial, but not too long that I won't finish it. But now that right, I've done right. like six or seven of those or whatever, I am finally kind of feeling ready to try to like, if I could even crack like 20 pages, that would be <laughs> yeah. so sick. I, but uh, I, I would, I would love to like work up to doing longer form things and like, you know, working, maybe tattooing like a bunch for like two months and saving up money and then taking time off to just focus on, on comics. But there's definitely longer form stuff on the horizon i'm trying to speak it into existence to get myself to actually (laughs) uh actually do it but i'm working on one 12 page one right now i'm like halfway through oh cool okay and that's going to be in an anthology with grayson and alex and then uh our friend olia and then after that that one i hope to just see how long i can go you know for sure yeah yeah well i mean like you said if you're training yourself to do 12 pages at a time and you're able to knock that out, I could see you being able to do 12 pages at a time as chapters and then just kind of collecting mm. it after a certain period of time is over. And, you know, before you know it, you got like a full ass book. Totally. Hmm. Yeah. I think I just need to like shift my, my mindset about it, you know? For sure. For sure. I believe in you, Austin. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> so you're, you're based out of Brooklyn. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about this, but like, what's the comic scene like there? Uh, do you find it uh, like as a whole being very strong within like a, a like with cartoonists is there like a sense of community there do people talk to each other or is it more kind of isolated yeah so i feel like since we are in that like post covid reality yeah it's like everything has been a little like uh like fumble right <laughs> you yeah. know like yeah yeah it, like it, it definitely has shifted i remember like tabling at comic arts brooklyn and there were just like so many people mm-hmm. tabling and just like making really cool stuff and it so it feels like a little different now but uh that same friend uh, frog farm alex has this monthly like comics reading show yes where people like cartoonists will like project their comics onto like a big screen and then read it and there's like music in the background and then that's like where i see all of the other comics people so it it seems like it's like coming back uh you know just like after covid when no one saw each other through like stuff like that i think it's really cool that alex like you know as like one guy like puts that together every every month yeah that's awesome those types of events are really important i feel like you know, mm-hmm. and not many places, not many major cities have them, or at least not to the degree one would probably assume that, that they would have. Right. Yeah. You think it would, it would be more. Um, and then there's like, you know, tabling at like events and stuff. So it, it seems like it's, it's going pretty, pretty strong. I think I am not as tapped into it as I would like to be. I like always get the like tattooing is like so like social because it's so front facing right. that it's really easy for that to like kind of steal my my attention away for sure yeah no that makes sense have you ever <laughs> like had clients come in and you know they're getting their work done and and you're like oh also i do comics if you want you can just have like a spread <laughs> on a table in your studio <laughs> i we'll be actually smart. i know i think i'm gonna <laughs> we'll start display. doing that 
uh, my other studio mate just set up like a little shop section because I've been saying I was gonna do that for like the last you know the last year or whatever I've been saying yeah, yeah. I'll bring my my <laughs> be, be, because people will like add, like oh like what other stuff like it usually like it'll come up in in conversation people are usually like pretty chatty and personable or whatever sure but uh now now that we talked about it I, I have to do it so I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely start <laughs> yeah, start doing yeah that. you got to get just invest in one of those like little wood display stands like the exactly. little shelving unit things and just yeah rack up your comics right put little Take price tags the on them sell them you, yeah it's like a cake every day at your, at your studio mm-hmm. space <laughs> yeah exactly uh have you uh done many shows besides cake over the last few years i mean i know we talked about uh brooklyn arts uh were there any shows that you you regularly do and how much of that has changed since since covid yeah so i did uh i did mice back also in 2018 and that one was really fun i feel like that was the first one i did where i met a lot of just like people from instagram for the first time mm-hmm. and then i did tcaf last year oh cool okay and that was also really really fun i would honestly do more but i keep getting fucking waitlisted dude when i apply oh. to these, these shows so <laughs> I, would, well, I would love to do more but so I, so I mean, it goes you know the fact that you got into mice i mean that that's a win because most people get waitlisted for that show it's true totally so yeah that one and yeah that was great i would love to i would love to do it again but actually uh same the we just there was just a frog farm uh like little zine fest uh like last weekend where uh, i tabled and sold some stuff and that was really sick nice yeah maybe we'll have alex on because i'd like to get some compare and contrast because there's something similar like that in chicago Mm. Uh, there's a monthly reading called zine not dead which is right um, oh yeah put on by uh bread press and uh perfectly acceptable oh sick yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah cool. they, they work on it together and and uh have amazing guests every time yeah that rules yeah you i would definitely i mean alex i'm sure will have plenty to say about it yeah i, I I'd lo- i'll have to i'll have to bother him at some point down the road about <laughs> that. Word. so i know you said that you predominantly work digitally and we probably talked about this, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But at what point did you make that jump from analog to digital? Mm, yeah, it was like a couple years out of school where as like a senior in college, I made this one short comic for a uh, like an illustration class assignment where it was like Power Rangers, but the three little pigs were Power Rangers and then they were fighting like... <laughs> uh like a big bad wolf like kaiju monster and that one i like inked it traditionally and then colored it digitally and then i was just like editing it like the line works so much in photoshop that i just like bought an ipad and just like switched over completely so pretty much since then everything has been all digital i just get so like fussy with like uh like fixing things and like redrawing things that just for my like process it made it made the most sense. Yeah. So when you were doing stuff all analog, I'm assuming there's a lot of like tracing being done, a lot of redrawing that way with light boxes. Yeah. I tried like a bunch of different like uh, workflows. There mm-hmm. was one that I was doing for a while where I would like pencil it digitally and then print that out like within like blue. Yeah. And then uh, onto like thicker like cardstock and then ink that and then scan it to like 
And I would, I think I would do that one again, just because there is something about like traditional inks that it, like I try to like, you know, I turn like the line stabilization all the way off in Procreate and I try to like give it like a hand-drawn feel as much as I can. Yeah. But, you know, there is something about like uh, ink on paper that is just like, you know, you can never quite, quite get it. Right, right. And what were your go-to tools? Like, were you a... a nib guy? Were you a like a micron guy, a brush pen guy? I would use. I also like tried all of them. Basically, mm-hmm. I like have used the nib. I used the like that pocket Pentel brush thing that everyone has. Yeah, I used microns. But uh, when I make like, if I do just like an illustration for like a print or something, I like to use yeah the like the dip the dip pen. So I feel oh, like like a shit. manga like a manga artist or something. <laughs> <laughs> Like a real pro for sure. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever mess with using like Duotone, like the Zipatone dot paper? I did. I did actually a bunch. And I feel like in college, I just literally like tried everything. Like oh, I did the, the traditional screen tones. I did a whole comic just out of like cut paper. Because uh, oh, cool. that seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> I really just like tried uh just about everything i would also love to do screen tones again that was like super fun yeah yeah i uh, if i had more patience and the money to buy because i know that duotone stuff can be a little pricey but if yeah, i had definitely the, if i had the patience and the funds i would probably mess with it more uh, i don't know what about you cam are you a duotone guy zipatone guy i think it's cool but i mean i'm so digital now that it's all digital for me but uh you know i would fuck with it back in the day but i never really got like super awesome at it but i love Love, love looking at like original pages and seeing that shit pasted on. That shit does it for me. For sure. Yeah, I really like uh, Daniel Warren, like how he does oh, it. Oh, yeah, Daniel he rocks. Johnson, yeah, like, yeah. He is so nice with it. <laughs> He's got it down to a science. Yeah. He's got a Transformers book. <laughs> He's about to be on Transformers. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about. <laughs> oh, He's, hell so, yeah. he's so psyched. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that riffs. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, I'm this sure. actually, this is a very good story, or at least, well, let me reframe this for to hedge expectations. Uh, so Daniel was at Cake because he he goes to pretty much every Cake that I've ever attended. He's always mm-hmm. there to browse and and buy comics. And uh, you know he's very close friends with Terrell. Shout out to Terrell, who's one of the co-organizers at Cake. And he stopped by my table a couple times just to hang out with his daughter. We were just talking a bit, and then right as he left. It felt like four or five different people just came up to my side of the table to ask if that was Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Specifically I, I, if that was Daniel Warren Johnson. <laughs> I think I saw each person do that too. I was like, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you know what's really crazy is the last time I was at Cake, he was there and he gave me like three copies. He just like handed me of that Skywalker zine that he did. Oh, and yeah. Those things are like $250 on eBay. <laughs> Like Wait, he just, wow. yeah, they, they go for crazy. Like his zines sell for so much and he just has a backpack full and he just handed us a stack. Like, oh, I had no idea that they yeah. were going for that much. So like th- that might be round. why they asked, because I think the only way you can get those is if you ask him at a show oh, for those zines. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He has them in a backpack. Interesting. And, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. I don't think he had zines at that show. He did hand me a copy of, oh, fuck. What was it? It was something that had just been published or just been released. Fuck. Did he do his, remember, it was it his wrestling book? The Powerbomb no, book? No, no, no. It wasn't Powerbomb. It was something else. Damn. 
I'm sorry, Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) It's clear that I have not read it yet. It's in a pile. Uh, I'll get to it. Trust me. But yeah, he did have comics with them. Just I don't think he did the the zine thing, at least not for for this this year. Yeah. Yeah. Usually he usually does one for like at least one one a year for like a very specific show. And it's always like kind of like a bigger read pop type comic Mm -hmm. show. You know, like uh, C2E2 or uh, New York Comic Con or something like that. So he'll he'll probably have something and it, it'll probably be, I'm going to guess, wrestling related again. Right, he's, right. He's been he's been super on that lately. But anyway, uh, but yeah, that that's my Daniel Warren Johnson story, who uh, he was on the show once, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A renowned small press alt comics artist, Daniel Warren <laughs> <Yeah>. Johnson. <laughs> but generally beloved because he's so fucking yes. good. So he's well, yeah, he's very, very good. Yes. And he's also like one of the sweetest guys in the world. For like, sure. He's <laughs> a genuine fucking solid hang. All right. So enough writing Daniel Warren Johnson's dick. Um, <laughs> he gets that enough online, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in fact, you fucking suck. DWJ. Yeah, fuck yeah. you, Daniel. Yeah, bring him down a notch. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. Got Your commissions, they're not the best in the game, contrary no, absolutely to not. what you hear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not looking forward to your Transformers comic. Yeah, so, not at what all. Think, what do you think about that, bro? Speaking of artists, are there artists in sort of the, the small press space that you look to for inspiration today? Like, are there people that you're like on the lookout for or kind of like keeping up to date with releases? Or is that something kind of on the peripherals for you? Ooh, I mean, I really like Ren McDonald's oh, yeah, comics. Yeah. His stuff is really sick. Definitely very inspired by him. But honestly, just like whatever like looks cool at like a small press show, like that's kind of just what I'm what i'm stoked on at yeah at the moment i wish i had more specific artists off the dome oh i mean i really like um ben marcus goodbye press yes his his comics are really fucking sick and another, then, uh, another chicago I, I ju- guy yeah and then anna like I, I think it's his his partner anna deng i don't know how to say her last name but i just got her new book at cake uh, no sleep i think I don't, I'm butchering it, but that book was <laughs> fucking sick. Anna Dang Ball or something, but her. Oh rest, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I know I you're really, talking really about like her stuff. Yeah, that shit rocks. I need to get a copy of that before it's like gone forever. Yeah, it's extremely cool. Yeah, that book looks fucking <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it was all reso printed as well, right? I think so. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and call it. It's gonna end up on my uh, comics of the year list. I'm gonna go ahead and call it. <laughs> Mm, hell yeah. yeah yeah i would agree i wonder if that was that printed by goodbye press or perfectly acceptable oh you know what that's a good question yeah i don't know i don't know i wish i had it on my, hmm. my book i'm sure a google check. search will, will resolve this yeah that'll probably do it too this question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you're on the lookout for that one uh i don't know go on go on your computer and type in type, <laughs> yeah. in, type in that shit and press enter <laughs> Uh, All right. So uh, let's get into questions. We have a few questions from our listeners. All righty. First one came from Instagram user Dan Briggs 81. Oh, this is, I guess, to us, but whatever. Uh, You guys are obviously the kings, but what, if any other podcast do you like or listen to? You know what? You're a guest here, Austin. What podcast do you listen to? It doesn't have to be art related. I used to like really be on my my podcast grind when I was commuting to a job that was very far from where I lived. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. I just like 
I don't really listen as much anymore. I mean, I used to really like the Ghost Shrimp podcast. I listened to his podcast a lot, but I've been in kind of a drought. So maybe if you guys have any, any recommendations, <laughs> yeah, I, that would be, that'd be <laughs> sick. Uh, I don't really listen to podcasts anymore, to be honest. Uh, there's like one or two shows that maybe I'll listen to mm-hmm. every once in a while. But other than that, it's yeah, definitely on a downturn in terms of like actively listening to podcasts. I think a lot of that has to do with once you start doing one and having to like edit it and make it. The last thing you want to do after spending like seven hours editing something is like listening to someone else's podcast. (laughs) Totally, totally. All right. Well, I will answer this question since uh, I I do listen to some podcasts, but admittedly, I used to listen to a lot more. Now it's like, you know, two or three a week. I do actually listen to Thick Lines. Believe it or not, that's not just me saying that shit. I'll listen to Thick Lines. I don't catch every episode like I wish that I could. Um, So if you're looking for like other comics podcasts, that's a good one. I do... (laughs) This is such a, a weird answer, but um, I'll listen to Jeff Jarrett, the wrestlers podcast. That's the only wrestling podcast I listen to nowadays. Sick. Well, it's because he's like he was responsible for like a whole like area of wrestling. I didn't know with like the TNA stuff. So like I can usually turn that on and like learn something about wrestling that I don't know from being yeah. online. So that's pretty much it. I think the Adam Friedland show is very funny, but it's more of a video thing nowadays. I don't really think it works as well as an audio podcast anymore. But yeah, oh, here's a good one. Uh, Radio Rental. They just dropped a new season of that. That's a, I actually look forward to that. Like I do like a, a good TV show. It's uh, weird ass stories that are allegedly true. And um, the premise is it's got the guy from the office. Uh, what's his fuck? Uh, Dwight. And he plays this like weird video store clerk. That's like the the host or whatever and he uh acts like he's like putting in these tapes and they're just like weird creepy stories and each episode's like 30 minutes so that's a good podcast oh, okay oh that sounds awesome yeah yeah, yeah. 30 and, minutes that's like the nice length yeah for a pod. the sweet spot they might be yeah. like 45 but usually it's like two stories per uh, episode no, we're turning it off yeah now, it just depends no. on if somebody goes long-winded but yeah there's some actual like creepy stories on those and there's a few seasons and uh yeah decent stuff There was, uh, I feel like the end of this podcast correlates to when I stopped listening to podcasts, but there was a show based out of Brooklyn called Kissing Contest. Ah, yeah. Friends of the show, friends of the show, Mike Dick and Doan, shout out to those boys. I think Doan is still in Brooklyn, but obviously Mike is uh, in Chicago now. Right, right. has been for a minute, but. Half a decade. And also thank you. Thank you to those two for calling in for our hundredth episode. That was very, very tight and it was good to hear from them. But anyway, Kissing Contest, amazing. Like honestly, like top tier, S tier fucking pod. Uh, It is a shame that it is gone, but the episodes are still up and none of them are like super timely. I mean, you know, there's like some contemporary stuff that might date it, but for the most part, you just fucking listen to those and it doesn't matter when or what order. But yeah, very, very, very funny podcast. Uh, Very, very, very good. All right. Well, let's see. Next question we got is from Olim Kim on Instagram. Uh, They ask, how does your skateboarding practice intersect with your artistic practice philosophy? Ooh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think uh, what's really helpful about it is it is a thing that is just so separate from it that you can, it requires like so much focus just to like not fall, you know, (laughs) that you're like, so so hyper focused on something that's so unrelated and so just in your body Mm -hmm. that i feel like it's probably the most helpful 
for me then to like think of something if I'm like struggling, you know, just to have like complete separation from it. Uh, Cause I like even like something like running or like a, another form of exercise, like my brain can like wander too much. So then I'm still kind of just like thinking about yeah. like whatever I was working on where skating is, it's just like so hard, you know, <laughs> that, like yeah. you have to be like, so, so focused and so like present that, uh, I feel like that is what is the most helpful about it. And just like exercise in general, like just yeah. like makes you feel better. And when you, at least when I feel better, like I make better work, you know? Yeah. So it definitely just helps with like the overall, like just like feeling good. What's, uh, what's the one thing that you can do that you personally are impressed by? Oh, so true. I mean, my favorite trick right now is this trick called a nose pick, which is pretty funny. But you like go up like a quarter pipe and then stall on your like front trucks and then pop back in. And I think it looks really cool. So oh. I'm stoked when I, when I put one of those down. Nice. Nice. You know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I've never skateboarded. I mean, I've been on a board and was terrible at it, but I could see the relation between the two comic, you know, drawing or whatever and skateboarding is that you do, there's like a moment where your brain goes into sort of this like weird autopilot almost. And the, the part of your brain where you're like really critically thinking about stuff shuts off and you just go into the zone. Right. Everything, everything just becomes like reflex. Yeah, and I think that is similar to, like, if you're, like, really in, like, the drawing zone, you know? There are a lot of, like, really, really interesting parallels between the two, because, like, skating is, like, a very creative act. Like, no one is, like, forcing you to learn certain tricks in, like, a certain order. Right. You know, you can really just, like, do whatever you want. It's, like, entirely self-directed in the same way that, like, drawing is, you know? No one's really telling you, like which thing to learn how to draw next it is like yeah it takes a certain uh like inner drive you know to like get better at it in your own way so i yeah, i think it's 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 cool to like jump back and forth between the two when they are like so similar in so many ways hell yeah are there ever any like guys that show up at a skate park and they're just like gun to head like you have to you have to ollie these two flights of stairs I'm I'm gonna fucking unload this clip if you don't do it not yet but the night is still young you know true yeah yeah maybe you can be that guy (laughs) yeah maybe that can be me that can be my new lane is I'll be that guy that just forces little kids to ollie down the biggest set at the skate park or I snap their board yeah (laughs) (laughs) just watching the uh, just videotaping the gnarliest fucking like wipeouts (laughs) It's just like some 12 year old kid. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see like shit like that on Instagram where it's like, okay, did that kid jump down that set on his own accord or did his dad make him? Right. Yeah. 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 It's It's 2023. There's a very good chance that your dad used to be a skateboarding scumbag. And now he's like, no, you have to do this. This is the tradition that <laughs> these are the steps. Exactly. You have to and now we're going to profit off of it's like the intense right. soccer parents, but extreme sports. Damn. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, I guess what they'd be in the Olympics and shit now, too. Yeah. Wait, is skateboarding in the Olympics? As of last summer. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, as of last uh, summer. Did you Olympics, watch that, sure. Austin? 
I did watch it. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. I don't know. <laughs> like, like was I it... think it, it, it. I think it like defeats the the purpose. I mean, I think what is like cool about skating is that like it's similar to like the like punk scene and stuff where like I don't know if I really want this like thing to be like. I don't know, like justified or like legitimized to like some yeah. fucking asshole dad like drinking a beer <laughs> on his couch like watching the Olympics, you know? Like I don't know right. if I like want like certain people's approval of it. It is like, you know, I think there's like interesting like politics in skating. You're like reclaiming public spaces. Yeah, yeah. There is so like I think I don't know. It's it's like a little weird that it's in the Olympics, but whatever. Brought you know, to you by McDonald's. Like, yeah so true <laughs> just like all these sponsors it's just so bizarre yeah super weird when are they gonna when are, when is stussy gonna start sponsoring the olympics that's the real question yeah exactly <laughs> that's that's my question all right well i think that does it for questions i was just those two we gotta get better at posting questions on twitter too because i keep forgetting to do that actually cam i'll have to talk to you after the show because i can't get into the twitter account I'm locked out of the Twitter too, so yeah, that's why that's why I don't post God questions on there. Right. So yeah, well, that one's lost. So we might man. have to like reset the password or something. Salute, <laughs> you you've yeah. you've done the service. Thank you, Twitter. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that'll do it for this episode, uh, Austin. Before we go, where can people find you uh, on the computer or on their phone, and uh, what what are the steps people need to take if they want to have a, a drawing? carefully uh needled into their skin by you totally uh, so on, yeah. i pretty much just use instagram and i'm stin master on instagram and you can you can just you can just dm me and then uh all my like links and shit are just in my bio to like my web shop and my website that has my comics on it and stuff but yeah just all all through instagram nice well austin thanks so much for coming on the show really appreciate you uh having you on and uh, hopefully we'll cross paths again at some point uh, in the near future. And uh, maybe you'll get to finally meet Cam, too, uh, who unfortunately couldn't make it to cake. But uh, yeah, y'all y'all will meet at some point, I'm sure. I will be back on the road this year. So we'll see. Yeah. One day. There one day. There you go. Totally. Well, hell yeah, you guys. Thanks for having me on. This is super fun. Sick. For sure. All right. Well, uh, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, you know the drill. Stay gutter.